Hebrews chapter 2 this morning. When you find your place, I'll ask you to stand. I'm glad it's still the blood, amen? A lot of people's trying to do away with the bloody way, but that's the only way. Uh, there is no other way under the heaven to get to heaven, but by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's all through Him today, and I pray that if you don't know Him, if you're not covered in the blood, I pray that you'll leave here blood-soaked, that your sins will be forgiven, and that you'll have the remission of sins, and your name will be written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. What a glorious day it would be for a sinner to come to repentance. Let's look in Hebrews chapter 2 this morning, verse number 1. It says, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels would steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. For unto the angels hath he not put in subjection of the world to come, whereof we speak. But one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crownest him uh, with glory and honor, and didst set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see, not yet all things put under him. But we see Jesus, I love that. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower uh, than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. You may be seated this morning. I ask the Lord to bless the word. Get into the uh, sermon this morning. I, I want to pay close attention to verse number 10 this morning because my fault is the captain of our salvation. The captain of our salvation, we all know who that is. Uh, but I hope to give you some detail on why he is. Uh, and that man is Jesus Christ. He is the captain of our salvation. The word captain comes from the Greek word uh, archagos, uh, a, which means a chief leader, an author, a captain, or a prince. I'm glad he's all of the above. Amen. That's why he can become the captain of your salvation today is because Jesus Christ is the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the captain of our soul. He is the protector. He is the guide. Amen. He is the chief shepherd uh, that uh, Peter talks about. Uh, and, and I am thankful today that he has made a way for all who believe on him to be born again, and he will uh, lead us to that other shore. Amen. I'm thankful for that. Uh, this morning... 
As we get into the sermon, I want to look at verses 1 through 3 again, uh, just for a brief moment. Uh, It says, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels would steadfast in every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? You know why this salvation is so great? Because the one who created the stars in the heavens, who created the sands upon the seashores, who created man from the dust of the earth and breathed life into man's nostrils, and the Bible says, and man became a living soul. The one who created us in his likeness and in his image is the one who laid down his life for the sins of humanity. For the depravity of man that had separated man from God, he laid down his life. It is a great salvation because he is a great God. He has a great love for humanity. He has a great love for his creation. And he has a great love for sinners. Amen. I'm thankful for that. Though he may hate the sin and he may hate the sinner that is walking in disobedience, I am thankful that in his great love wherewith he loved us. He saved us. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 4 says, But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us. Amen. I'm thankful today that though we were sinners, though you might be a sinner today, friend, Jesus Christ the righteous has lowered Himself before the angels. He is not lower than the angels, but His uh, uh, if I can uh, uh, elaborate on this, He is God in the flesh. The Word made flesh, and the angels, they worshiped Him. They worship Him today. They, they sing praises unto the Lord Jesus Christ because of His great suffering that He made on the earth. But what happened was that He made Himself lower than the angels in regard to humanity because they wasn't, uh, they wasn't created to die for sinners. Jesus Christ, He put upon Himself the flesh of man, bore our sin, bore our shame, bore our guilt. In uh, uh, Philippians, I believe it is, chapter 2, said that He thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but He humbled Himself, and He became obedient, even obedient unto death. That's why He became the captain of our salvation. A couple things I want us to look at this morning, just briefly in the context of the Scripture. We see here in uh, verse number 1, He said, uh, To the which things we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Well, you might be looking at me and saying, Brother Ben, uh, what things have we heard? What are you talking about? What is the Hebrew writer talking about uh, and friend, there's, there could be multiple things uh, that the, uh, the writer is speaking of here in uh, Hebrews chapter 2. But what the Lord directed my attention to uh, this week in my study, uh, some of you may not like it, some of you may get uh, your feelings hurt or your toes stomped, I don't know, uh, and I'm going to apologize on my behalf, but I will not apologize for the Word of God. I will not apologize for the Holy Spirit of God. If you feel convicted, friend, there's only one thing you must do, and that is to confess your sin unto the righteous Lord. And He said He is faithful and just to forgive you of all sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. 
This morning, let's look in Matthew chapter 5, several verses of Scripture. Uh, but I, I find it interesting how the Lord Jesus on the mountain, uh, when He was teaching the Beatitudes to the multitude, uh, I find it interesting how He refers to this Scripture. Notice in verse number 21 of chapter 5 of Matthew, He said, Ye have heard that it was said by them of old, which things we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. The Lord Jesus is reminding them of what they have been taught. And may I remind you today that these same things that He taught to the multitude are the same things that apply to us today in 2020. Pay very close attention. Number one, we find that He is uh, dealing with a feud amongst others. There are so many people today in America that are feuding one to another. They are backbiting. They are gossiping. They are spreading rumors. They are going up to one another. Uh, listen, just about anywhere you go, you can hear of a, a gun shooting or you can hear of somebody that got in a brawl and one of them blacked both of the other's eyes and one of them stabbed somebody and somebody else kicked another one out of the car. And, and listen, sin is causing a feud amongst people. And Jesus is telling us here, uh, you have heard that it was said by them of old. Now he's talking to the Jews. But this also applies to the church. Listen, friend, if you go to church one with another, and even if you don't go to church one another, if you uh, profess to be a child of God, if you are saved by the blood of Christ, friend, there ought not be any feuding in the body of Christ. There ought to be no uh, schisms or divisions, but there must be unity in the church house and in the body of Christ. Jesus is here reminding them. He said, You have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill. Well, that's pretty easy. Amen? That's pretty easy. Unless you're in war. Unless you're in war or in law enforcement. Uh, and th those uh, careers call for such, uh, for the protection of a country. Uh, and God has ordained that to be that way. Uh, but friend, uh, if you just uh, have hatred in your heart towards a brother, and you go against him, and you go to kill him, friend, there is something. It is not a mental state. It is a heart condition and the heart must be changed in order to have hatred removed. And he is saying, thou shalt not kill. Now he takes it a step further. He said, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. Now we still see that today. You murder somebody, doesn't matter what offense it is, you're going to jail. You're going to be sentenced. You're going to be found guilty. Amen. If enough evidence lies in your, uh, against you, you will be found guilty. And that is what Jesus is reminding us. He said, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. Now notice, He said, And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool. He's taking a step further. Not just, Thou shalt not kill. But He's saying that if you look at somebody, and you call them a fool... The Bible says, and Jesus said, He said, Thou fool shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and uh, there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Agree with thine adversary quickly, whilst thou art in the way with him, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. Verily I say unto thee, 
Thou shalt by no means come out thence till thou hast paid the uttermost farthing. Listen, friend, in, in one of the other New Testament uh, books, the writer said that if thou sayest that thou hatest thy brother, then you are guilty of murder. So Jesus, he's summing it all up that if you have a feud amongst somebody else that uh, uh, perhaps it's a family member, perhaps it's a church member, perhaps it's somebody in the community uh, that is also a Christian uh, and you have your heart bitter against them and you uh, think evil thoughts pertaining to them and if you get around that person and you think, boy, I don't want to be here. I don't like being around that person. You have a heart problem. That's what Jesus is saying. He said, it ain't your actions. He said, it's your heart problem. And I preached a few weeks ago that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So also comes forth the actions of the body. It comes forth from the heart. And I'm not talking about the heart that pumps blood. I'm talking about the spiritual heart of man. And if you are dead, a spiritual man, he does not know how to live uh, 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 because he's dead. He's in sin. But friend, one who has been covered by the blood, who's been quickened and made alive in Christ, they know how to operate. They know how to live. And listen, when we start letting little sins, listen, we think that if we ain't committing murder, if we ain't committing uh, uh, drunkardness, or if we ain't committing uh, 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 drug addiction or, or something like that, then we ain't backslid. But friend, if you have a problem in your heart against a neighbor or somebody in your church, friend, it's a heart problem and it needs to be taken care of. You need to go and find forgiveness from one another and then you need to come to the altar together and seek forgiveness of God. And may you be reconciled. That's what Jesus is talking about. And listen, these things we have heard for so long, these have been taught from the foundation of the world. Listen, from the time that the law of Moses came uh, on the mountain of Sinai, listen, we have heard these things. The children of the, uh, the Jewish people they have heard these things taught over and over and over and over by their chief priests and by their rulers. They have been taught the law of Moses. They have been taught to keep these things. They have been taught how to reconcile uh, to, to one that they had a feud with. And listen, we have heard for thousands of years the same message. But you know what? Church, we've let them slip. We've let them slip. You wonder why there's so many churches that's looking for a pastor. Most, I'd say 85% of those churches that are looking for a pastor only have a congregation of about 35 members. That's high. I'd say that's high number. I wonder why that is. I dare say that it's because of the heart of the people. Because we've let some things slip. We've let the things in which we have been taught slip from our minds and from our hearts. Friend, may I remind you today that Jesus Christ is here and He wants to remind us of how that we are to line up with the Word of God. If we want to see revival in America, the church is going to have to get right with God. The church is going to have to go to one another and repent. Repent. Listen, I knew y'all wouldn't like this. I didn't like it. When I started reading Matthew chapter 5, I said, oh me. And you might say, well, Brother Ben, I don't have an all to give to anybody. Well, thank God. 
but it might be you tomorrow. Some, I, I'm liable to offend you today, and you're having all against me. I'm trying to help you today to understand what we are to do when this happens in our lives because we have let these things slip and when somebody hurts us, we do not want to face up, fess up, and repent of it. Because when somebody hurts us, we'll say, well, we'll just go on down the road. We'll just go down there to that other brother's church. Amen? We'll just, we'll just, go, we'll just go on further down in town. Listen, there... You know, that's why we have so many churches in America. Because there is a flavor for everybody. And not everybody wants the flavor of the Word of God. Why? Because it makes you feel uncomfortable. It makes you start squirming in your seat. It makes, and listen, my toes are curled right now. You're probably curling your toes up right now trying to say, Preacher, stop stepping on them. Listen, friend. I'm doing it for you good. As, my, as I was disciplined as a child, He didn't do it to harm me, but He d done it to teach me out of love how to grow up and be a man and to be a child, a man of the Father. And to be a child of God, we must come and let the Holy Ghost deal with us and convict us and reprove us of sin so that we might walk in righteousness unto the Father. So that we might know how to be obedient Children of God. Look with me. Also, i got to hurry. Matthew chapter 5, verse 27. He says, You have heard that it was said by them of old time. Isn't that interesting? In verse 21, He said, You have heard that it was said by them of old time. Now in verse 27, listen, He's moving on. He's moving on from feuding with other people. Now we're looking at lustful eyes brings about covetous hands. Verse 27, He said, You have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. People today think, Well, I can look at her, but I ain't got to touch her. And if that's your mindset, friend, you have sinned against God. You have broken the commandment of God. And you must find forgiveness. You must repent, friend. You must have a change of heart and a change of mind and it must be cleansed by the Word of God in prayer. That should not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Because here's the thing. When we start looking at another person, whether it be a man or a woman, and you start lusting after her in your mind, the first thing that happens is I wish I could touch. Is that not the thinking? I, I can look, but I, I don't have to touch. But the whole time your heart is saying, boy, I wish I could touch. Boy, I wish I could feel. Boy, I wish I could have her. I wish I could have him. And it applies to other things. I might look at a vehicle and say, boy, that's a nice truck. But there's been times that I've looked and I've said, boy, I'd like to have that truck. Why? Because I'm lusting in my mind over that vehicle. But with my heart, I'm wanting to feel. I'm wanting to take possession. And lustful eyes will bring about covetous hands. And the Word of God said, Thou shalt not covet. Amen? What is thy brother's? He said, And if thy right eye offend thee, 
pluck it out. He's not literally meaning take your finger, uh, go into your eye socket and take out your eye. That is not what he is talking about. But he is saying to flee the very appearance of that thing which tempts you. He is talking about self-control. He said, if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. Get rid of it. Forget about it. Repent of it. Throw it away. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Ask yourself this. What am I doing in my life that is worth dying and going to hell over? What am I hanging on in my life that is worth dying and going to hell over? That's what Jesus was inevitably asking His people. Was, is there something greater of importance in your life that you would die and go to hell over? Because what He's saying is that there is nothing in eternity, there is nothing on this earth that is worth dying and going to hell over. He said, it's better for you to go in blind into the gates of heaven than to go to hell with both eyes. He said, it's better to go into heaven with not an arm or a leg than to be cast into hellfire with all your members. Think about it today. Now this is going to be a touchy subject. But nonetheless, the Lord Jesus, He taught about it, so it therefore must be preached. Not only do we see that feuding with others is something that has been slipped from us, but we think that it's okay that we can cover another man's wife. That's why the divorce rate is so high in America today. It's because we are not satisfied with monogamy, but we would rather covet somebody else's wife. After the newness wears off, listen, they want somebody else. And therefore, that's why commitment has become contractual. In saying that, Matthew chapter 5, verse 31, says again, No, it has been said, Whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. But I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery. And whosoever shall marry her that is divorced, committeth adultery. Boy, this is a principle that has very nice slipped in the house of God, in America, and around the world. See, there is a cause of writing of divorcement. Jesus is saying that. That it is legal for a writing of divorcement if your spouse has committed fornication. But, he said, whosoever marries that, un, uh, that divorce person will commit adultery with he or she. Now listen, I'll go as far as to say this and I won't be, I won't tear long on this subject because I know that that divorce is rampant today and I'm not saying that you're a, a low-down sinner if you have had a divorce. I ain't saying that because God understands and God is able to forgive. Amen? God is able to forgive. 
See, we think that divorce is something that is unpardonable. It's not. I know preachers today that get bent over backward if a man of God who has been called to preach has been married before. Can they not be forgiven? Can they not be redeemed? Can they not stand boldly, cleansed by the blood of Christ, and proclaim the Word of God? Listen, there's some preachers that I'd rather listen to that have been married before than some that hadn't been. Because they've been forgiven. Friend, I'm telling you today that you can be forgiven. Let me say this before I move on. Just because there is a legal right to divorcement does not make it right. Just because there is a legality to divorcement does not make it right. Just because homosexuality is legal does not make it right. Just because abortion is legal, it does not make it right. Listen, there's a lot of things today that have become legalized, and all it is is legalized sin. And the, the American church has accepted legalized sin because they say, I'm just obeying the laws of the land. And if you do that, it will lead you straight to hell. Because there will come a time, friend, where, it, where we will have to be as the apostles and say we would rather obey God than to rather obey man. And that day is coming very soon. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to line up with the Word of God? Are you going to fall with the way of the world? We have let things slip. And how shall we give? How? Shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Listen, everything I've preached so far this morning from Jesus' own mouth, there ain't nothing that can't be forgiven. Amen? Y'all, have you all noticed that? I've preached hard as I could this morning on certain things, but every single topic that the Lord Jesus mentions can be forgiven. It can be forgiven. That's why this salvation is so great. It's because there's nothing that you can do to undo the wrong in your life. But Jesus Christ came to wash it all away. He came to do away with it. Now we know that there's an unpardonable sin. And that's blasphemy against the Holy Ghost. And I dare say that would be the apostate person who turns their back completely against God, who completely walks away from God and leaves the faith. But that is extremely, I believe, would be extremely hard thing to do. But friend, everything that I mentioned so far this, this morning can be forgiven. If you're feeling convicted this morning, if you're feeling condemned, listen, Jesus said in John 3, He said, if, uh, uh, if let me read it. I don't want to misquote it. <clears throat> John chapter 3, verse 18 says, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. I'm not condemning you this morning. The Lord ain't condemning you this morning. But if you believe not, you've already condemned yourself. But notice what he says. Believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. If you would just believe, 
You could be forgiven. If you would just say, Lord, I'm ready to fully submit myself unto you. Lord, I am ready to sell myself out and allow you to be the Lord over my life. Lord, I'm ready to walk according to the Word of God. Forgive me of my sin and make me whole. Or as King David said in Psalm 51, Create within me a clean heart, O God, and renew the right spirit within me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Friend, if that's you today, won't you just come on to the altar before I get done? Won't you just come on and get forgiven? We'll shout the house down. Divorce is something that no man or woman should take lightly. People think that, well, I can just get married, then I'll get a divorce, then I'll go and I'll, I'll get another spouse. And then if they make me mad or if I don't like something that happens, I won't, I won't work on it and I, I won't try and be what God made me to be, but I'll just get divorced and I'll go somewhere else. And listen, Christians are doing it to God. They say, well, God's way is too hard for me to walk. Well, if you'd just walk in the Spirit, it wouldn't be so hard. If you'd yield yourself servant unto righteousness, friend, living by the Word of God is not that hard. Because know that when you stumble and when you fall, if you confess, He is faithful to forgive. He's faithful to forgive. Look with me in verse 33. I'm going to have to preach part of this next Sunday. I ain't going to finish. I am getting through Matthew chapter 5, though. Matthew 5, verse 33. Again, you have heard that it has been said by them of old time, Thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shalt perform unto the Lord thine oaths. But I say unto you, swear not at all. Neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is His footstool. Neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Neither shalt thou swear by thy head, because thou canst not make one hair white or black. But let your communication be yea, yea, and nay, nay. For whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. We have certainly let this slip from our grasp and from our teachings. The Hebrew writer, he was trying to remind us to remember not only the law, but also the teachings of Christ. Christ didn't come to do away with the law. A lot of people say, well, if it's in the Old Testament, I ain't going to live by it. I don't find that anywhere in my Bible. Well, if it ain't in the Ten Commandments, I don't have to live by it. And my response is this. How many of those Ten Commandments have you kept? Anyway, swear not at all. So many people today are swearing over everything. Over politics. Over church, 
in church. God said, swear not at all. Don't swear at all. And I believe it's in the book of Ecclesiastes. He said, it's better not to make a vow than to make a vow and break it. So if you know that you're not going to own up and keep your part of the vow, you might as well not even make a vow. Don't even make a promise if you don't intend on keeping it. Moving on. Matthew 5, verse 38. says, You have heard that it has been said, an eye for an eye. Oh, me. I've been guilty of it. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that you resist not evil. But whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee of the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain, give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. So oftentimes, we are too selfish and too prideful to give to somebody that is truly in need. There has been so many people that have taken advantage of good people that now good people turn away even those that are truly in need. We have been taken advantage of for years and now it is built up within us a pride to say I'm helping nobody but myself. Am I not telling the truth? Have you, have you not thought that in yourself? Well, they're not really in need. They're just trying to use me. And I'm not going to give my hard-earned money to somebody who is not willing to go work. Too prideful. It doesn't matter what that person's going to do with your money. That's between them and God. But you, out of the good conscience of your heart, must know that in by giving what you have earned that God has given you, it will please God. It will. And I believe God will bless you for it. That other person, he might not can bless you. She might not be able to bless you. She might not be able to come back and, and give you that $50 bill. She might not be able to come back and, and, and uh, uh, give you that $5 bill. But you know what? I believe that if you'll give out of the good treasure of your heart, because the Word says that God loves a cheerful giver, I believe it pertains to the church too. People say, well, I ain't giving to that church. They don't ever do anything with it. We'll never see where it's going. Why, why should we give? Why should we pay our tithes? We, why, why should we pay our tithes when, when we can... Give it to some other preacher. Give it to some other missionary. And listen, I believe that we ought to support our missionaries. We ought to support our other preachers and our, our, our other ministries. But that should be the funnel of the church. We as individual believers ought to funnel our givings from the Lord into the church house. And the church, by the good treasure of the body of Christ, we must be a funnel and infiltrate this world with the finances and the resources that God has given to us. 
in this church, we do support many missionaries. We have an own, our own missionary in, in our church who is in Canton, Missouri this week, who's building a, a, a children's home, right? Or a mother's home, a women's home, something of that nature up in Canton, Missouri. And, and listen, we have the resources to be able to help provide for that. We have homes in Mexico that we send money to and that we support and that we try to help. There's ministries, Brother Mike Hutzel is one of them, that we try to support financially. And listen, I believe that the money that we give not only should go to the ministries, and I ain't trying to get on this today, but listen, uh, we, we have gotten so taken advantage of that we are scared to turn loose of a little bit of money. It ain't your money anyway. The things that you have are not yours, they're God's. And I believe we ought to be good stewards of that. Good stewards of our money. Good stewards uh, of our church. Good stewards of how we present ourselves. Good stewards of how we uh, treat others. And, and there's several things in the Word of God that we need to be careful in how we are stewarding. And I say this, revile not against those who, who have reviled against you. Those who have mocked you taken advantage of you, used you and abused you, don't revile against them. Don't revile against them. But by the example of the Lord Jesus Christ, look with me in 1 Peter chapter 2, and verse 23 and 24. He said, Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. And when he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. Listen, friend, if you've been reviled against, if you've got an awed against somebody, if you've been divorced, if you swear, let me tell you this, that Jesus Christ, He came to heal everything in your life. One writer, I believe it was Charles Spurgeon, he said, God does not look on us as guilty uh, criminals, but rather He looks upon us as sick people with a disease because He is the great healer and we are sin sick. And see, a lot of people in the church, they're not sick of their sin, but they have a sin sickness. And friend, until you get sick and tired of being sick and tired in your sin, you won't be delivered and you won't find forgiveness. But friend, know that Jesus Christ, He came so that we might live unto righteousness because by His stripes we are healed. Lastly today, I've been teaching on this on Wednesday nights so some of you may find this familiar. But in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 through 48, and I'll close with this. He says, Ye have heard that it has been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For He maketh His Son to rise on the evil and on the good, 
and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love, um, if you love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if you salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. That's kind of controversial, isn't it? Some people think. Some people think, well, how in the world can I be perfect? I'm human. That's our excuse, ain't it? That's our excuse to get away with sin. I'm only human. I ain't perfect. But did you know that by the help of the Holy Spirit, He will sanctify you and help you become one with the Spirit in the body of Christ and help you to be perfect even as He is perfect? But it's a lifelong process. It's something that we must work at every day of our life. Every day. We must be consciously thinking in our spirits, Lord, help us to be perfect as You are perfect today. Help us to be Christ-like on Monday the way that we try to be and show ourselves on Sunday. Listen, being Christ-like is not a once-a-week thing, but it should be a lifestyle of a Christian. And what I've tried to bring out to you today is how to be a better Christian. I'm not saying you're a bad Christian, but if any of these things have convicted you, there's room for improvement. I remember there was a time in my life where at least one of these, sometimes all of these, will convict me. Listen, I'll tell you right now, the last time I preached Matthew chapter 5 was when I was 15 years old. And I stepped behind the pulpit for the very first time on June 26th of 2011. My sermon was eight minutes long. And my sermon was, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But if a man looks upon a woman to lust after her, he hath committed adultery already in his heart. Probably the last time that I've preached this sermon. And I'm not saying that, that that teaching was what has hindered me all those years, but I'd say that it's been several things within that passage that I've had to take a step back and say, oh me, oh me, I don't really like that. I don't really like how that felt. But all the time the Holy Spirit was saying, Ben, I'm just trying to make you perfect as your Father in Heaven is perfect. See, when, we, when, when the scales come off our eyes and show us that we are guilty of one of these or all of these or somewhere in, the, in between, it's then that we can find forgiveness. It's then that we can confess and own up to our sin. And it is in that moment that we find that Jesus Christ is truth when He said, I am faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1. Therefore, it's a continuation of chapter 1. He said, therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Miss Sue, if you would come to the piano. Brother John, if you would come. 
get a song. For the sake of time, I, I, I believe that will be a good stopping point this morning. I feel the Lord dealing. I feel the Lord drawing. I feel the Lord speaking today. Listen, friend, all of these things can be forgiven. Whatever sin lies in your heart, you can find forgiveness today. Maybe it's unfaithfulness. Maybe, it, maybe it's covetousness. Maybe it's bribery or strife or envy. Maybe it's idolatry. I don't know what it may be. But friend, may I tell you that God wants to forgive. God wants to heal your broken heart. Because in Psalms chapter 34, I believe it is, He says, The Lord is nigh unto them that are broken and are of a contrite spirit. Meaning that you are broken and you are crushed because of the sin in your life. Won't you just bring that to the altar? Lay it before the Lord Jesus Christ. Let Him heal you because by His stripes we are healed. And let Him wash away your sin by His precious blood that is shed on Calvary. Don't let these things slip. I believe these teachings have slipped away from most people's lives and have become no longer the standards or principles of the church. May we return to the Word of God. May we as a people, return back to the Bible because we have let these teachings slip. And how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? You won't. Romans chapter 2, verse 1. He says, Thou art inexcusable, O man. You're without excuse today. But you know what? The Holy Spirit's here and He's ready to forgive you if you'll call on Him as they play.